He was so good today. He spent the whole day in the office with me, and now he he's all fidgety. But I just i i took I just took him out to pee, and he already shit on the floor in the sunroom. So we should be good to go. Hey, there's your intro. Welcome, everybody, to a fantastic episode of Let's Talk About Thrones. You know why I know it's going to be fantastic? Because it was a fantastic episode of the HBO series Game of Thrones. Uh, And we are going to talk about it. Okay, first... Lord Commander Richard Gunther, welcome to the program. Uh, one, one, one word. What did you think of this episode? Uh, good. <gasps> okay, <laughs> Sir Anthony of the Blackwater. I just made that up, but you could have another title. But you're most definitely a Sir. Uh, one word. One word about this episode. Finally. Yep. All right, and special guest we have on today, the man of the the magical episodes, the one who appears only for the most significant episodes of Game of Thrones, one Ritual Misery co-star, Kent Fillure. Hello and welcome. One word to describe this episode of Game of Thrones. There. Amazing. And I am your driver for today, your podcast um, guide, as it were, your three-eyed podcast raven. Uh, I used to be Lady Brienne, or Lady Jenny of Tarth. Well, guess what? I got a different title now! Uh, I am now uh, Ser Jenny of Tarth. And we'll get to that in a second. All right, so I think we're just going to dive right in. The title of this episode, episode two of six, is A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, which is a pretty title, even when you don't know what it means. And after you know what it means, you just start crying! Okay, so uh, weirdly enough, we're going to start with the credits uh, because I had to rewind it a little bit because I was like, wait a second, the tiles that go from above the wall to below the wall are flat. That's weird. And then it took me like one second to realize, oh, they're flipping over further south. And then it's like a real time progression. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And so the last hearth has been entirely overtaken. That was pretty neat. Um, do we think that we're actually going to see a different intro each it episode? It is going to be significantly updated be... each episode. And we'll get to that. Yeah. Because I have we're... some thoughts. Yeah, we're used to having like new locations or whatever added. But this, if they do a new one for each episode, just ch- change yeah. it a little bit, that could be 15 fantastic. million per episode. Oh, God. So great. <laughs> That's what I get for podcast yeah. episode. It's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> did you? We're just still waiting Ken, for the did first you job. notice? Did you notice one <laughs> departure from Game of Thrones credit tradition that happened in the credits this week? It's the, something that's never happened before. I didn't notice anything different between this episode and last, other than other than the. Well, this is sort of a subtle point, south. but guess what? This is the first time in Game of Thrones history that I can recall. There was no scene in King's Landing this week, but they still uh, showed the castle. Uh, I mean, because that's where the right, throne is, right. so it makes sense. But it really, I yep. was like, oh, wow, we're breaking all the rules. Woo-hoo. Um, so I, I assume we're just going to see more and more interesting things, uh, but I'm going to save my thoughts on this because I have thoughts. Okay. 
we open in the great hall of Winterfell, as I like to call it, the hall of perpetual bitching, uh, for something that would have, in a previous season, taken an entire episode, and here is just like, bloop, uh, which I like to call the trial of Jamie Lannister. <laughs> great, great beard mm. <laughs> edition. Um, all right, so Kent, as our guest, tell us what you thought of just this part of the show. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting because th- th- that was kind of the mystery to me. Like, how is everyone going to react to Jamie Lannister? Because here he was this villain. Uh, he was the murderer of Daenerys' father. He's the uh, attempted murderer for throwing Bran out the window. Um, Danny was really the only person that uh, wanted to throw him out or, or get rid of him. Uh, everyone seemed to step up to defend him. Uh, Sansa was convinced by Brienne's testimony. Uh, Tyrion steps in and, and speaks for his brother, which um, that created a little bit of tension, uh, additional tension with Daenerys. Uh, but at the end of it, uh, Jamie seemed to be accepted into the yes, court at Winterfell. Yes, for being a human, basically. Are you a human? Right. You're in. Right. Um, <laughs> I would say that, yeah. The, the, the deciding factor, the flip of the coin, is when John goes, eh, he's alive. Right. right. John's yeah. so tired of all this stuff. Like, okay, well, should we take him? Should we not take him? No, he's alive. Um, so uh, my favorite moment in this is one simple moment, which I I have replaced my favorite kind of Game of Thrones face, which used to be dragon face. And it's now brand face, which is uh, what everybody's face looks like when they realize brand can see all their inner everything. <laughs> Uh, yeah. That was my major takeaway from this scene. And, and, and Bran saying the things we do for love. I mean, the, shade. That was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. I, I, I honestly thought that was going to break the whole scene open. And it was almost a passing thing for everyone in the room except for hey. Bran and Jamie. Yep. They're the only ones that know about it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Nobody else knows the significance of that, which we will get to in a moment. Uh, Richard, was there anything from this that you thought was noteworthy or interesting from this one scene in the Great Hall? Well, I mean, with Brienne standing up for him, that just uh, that just kind of grabbed my heart. I just absolutely loved that. And I, I didn't see that coming. I don't know why. But when she just stepped in there, I, I was blown away. And it, it just everything that they had been together, it it seemed like, wow, this is the moment. This is the moment we finally get with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, but wait, we'll talk about more later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we'll for, save all those thoughts. <laughs> for, for me, this is this episode, and this is the first instance of it, but this episode is a lot about finally getting what you deserve when that when that when what you deserve is in death yeah. because uh Jamie finally finally his good acts the, the good things he actually has done and his sense of honor even if it was misplaced at times well according to the hero villain side of things but even if it was misplaced he always held himself with honor and that gets rewarded later on other people get rewarded for the things that they've done the trials that they've had you know it, it just everybody I don't say everybody, but a lot of people finally got something to reward them, some positive reinforcement for the thing, the hard decisions and the hard choices that they've had to make throughout the series. Yeah. Yeah. This yep. is like redemption arcs coming to fruition. 
Yeah, that's the, and I and also I like to call this episode all the looks. Everybody gives everybody looks. <laughs> look at all the looks. It's the looky look episode. Um, a few quick things. We got to move through this because there's so many unbelievable scenes of which we'll literally be quoting. But one note, another note was uh, when Daenerys called John the Warden of the North, and everybody was like, "Demotion." Well, I was actually glad he had a title because the last episode it was like, "What are you now?" Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. which which is weird because you have you have Daenerys the Queen, you have John the Warden, and then you have Sansa the Lady of Winterfell. So everybody's in charge. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's a quick scene in the hallway following where like, oh, there is an important thing where John, everybody gets up from the table after deciding reluctantly that Jamie will live. And, uh, you know, Daenerys turns to John to be like, ah, and he's just like scudaddles. And we no, know it, why. The but- whole, the whole scene is like this complete anticlimax, right? You, it's just like, everyone's like, okay, he's in. Bye. Yeah. You're alive. All right, okay. This is done now. Yeah. So uh, there's Brand, a brief who just hangs out. Yeah, Brand stays. <laughs> he just stays where he's put. Um, See, we needed that ramp. Okay, so in the hallway, we have uh, an appearance of what I like to call, and what much of us know as Bad Danny, um, in which Daenerys is like uh, ragging on Tyrion for being a bad advisor, and God forbid making a mistake, and all this stuff, and. She really gives him the business because it does have to do with the family that murdered her dad and, and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, Jorah Mormont in the back there and uh, and Varys, who has not said a, a honkin', barely a word in the season so far. Um, they they all look kind of nervous because they're like, uh-oh, bad Danny. Um, <coughs> so, you know, she storms off. And then we get to... The armory where Gendry is banging things. <laughs> um, and uh, Arya comes by to check on her weapon, which he hasn't made because he doesn't take her seriously because he doesn't really know what she's all about. Um, and uh, they, I believe, they flirt over dragon glass. They that is dragon glass flirting. Uh, yep. What did we take away from this? Uh, Arya put her warrior skills on display. Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. It's it's it, it was interesting because on it, the way in, she's looking at Gendry like, hmm, and then they have this little conversation where he's like, "Oh, that's only for fighting people. You, you'll be down the crypts, whatever." And she's like, "I know death," and she does the whole "I know death" line while she's taking arrowheads and throwing them into a, a, a plank of wood. Yep, very intentionally and very precisely. And it shifts. Now she's just like, okay. And he's like, oh. Ooh. Yep. Uh-huh. This is yeah, what's was, known as a, a dragon glass flex. <laughs> yeah, she was basically peacocking for for him. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Look how I can throw these knives. Um, Richard, did you notice by chance just how royal Arya looked? How beautifully in charge of her own authority she is right now. Like, she's no longer like the creepy stalker. Like, she belongs in this place and she's going to let you know it. Yeah. Also, kind of loving whatever that multi layer tangled thing is she's wearing. Yeah. It's so hip. It's so <laughs> hip. It's really cool. 
I'm a big fan. It's the latest um, in Winterfell fashion. Yeah. So now appears the first of many, 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 many times that someone says, and I quote, it's going to be safer down in the crypts, you know. <laughs> to which I would say, fucking is it? Does anyone know what's in crypts? Don't you know what's in crypts? Haven't you seen the Night King do this with his hands? Raise his hands and everybody wakes up? Which made me realize, and this was the moment I realized it. It was like a thunder flipping bolt. We may see Sean Bean again, people. Oh, yes. That's actually almost my final note. That I that I made before the show is zombie Ned. Anyone? Zombie everyone. Everyone yeah. who is buried in the zombie Leanna, zombie uh, Rob, zombie mom, like ev- uh. zombie Starks. Like how old do they have to be before they are not able to be woked by the Night King, who's going to be literally next door in the tree area? And do right. we know it doesn't have to be people that were killed by them? They. Who knows? We don't know. That's the big suspense. It's not okay. like they're not going to be in there. Jesus. I'm going to make you one know? call, though. If if there's a zombie Catalan, that's going to piss off all the fans. So yes. I don't see that's, that happening. Yep. Agreed. Anybody Maybe who's read the books will else. be angry. Yep. Yeah, I could so. see that. Um. So, yes. So that's the first appearance of doesn't anyone know what the crypts really hold? <laughs> um, so then, and one other thing I just wanted to really quickly say about Arya is, um, did you ever see the West Wing where they discuss the presidential voice, which is just like a voice where you sound like you're in charge? Um, I, it, it was like a weird West Wing crossover when I realized that Arya Stark has the presidential voice. She's mm. like, she's in command, right? Yep. And she will be on top in command pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now we go to the, the Godswood and um, where Bran is apparently all the time, even though it's cold. Um, and I, I sort of knew that this would be Bran's response, right? You, you just knew it would be. Uh, but Jamie apologizes. This is Jamie's apology tour of Winterfell. And Bran's response is well, if you hadn't almost murdered me, I wouldn't be the three eyed raven. Um, and, you know, uh, Jamie, I noticed this. Uh, it was like dark in Winterfell, so I didn't totally notice this before. But look how Jamie's dressed. Like, look how humble he looks. His he's not doing his highlights. He's got a gray beard. He's wearing shitty, you know, armor. Um, he really is like really playing it down. Uh, what did and we he's take away? Yeah, still what did hot we take away? Shit. I know <laughs> he looks better. I think he looks better. <laughs> The biggest takeaway from this scene for me was not Bran's response because we we all expected that. It was – well, it was part of Bran's response when he told Jamie, you would not be the man you are yeah. now if you hadn't done that. Yes. Good take. Yes. Good take. Also featuring one of the greatest Bran lines of all time. Did you catch it? Did anyone catch it? How do you know there is an afterwards? Oh, right. That's dark. I feel like I wake up every morning and I think that. How do we know there is an afterwards? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, any more thoughts about the tree before we move to the yard? This is just like moving through Winterfell. Bada boo, bada boo, bada boo. <laughs> any thoughts? Any thoughts? Um, I do just want to say that the, the Godswood is right next to the crypt. Super important point. Thank yep. you. Okay. 
So now we're in the yard and now we've got the Tyrion and Jamie reunion. Jamie's just sort of wandering around apologizing to people in general. They have a really great walkthrough where they're trying to like, you know, heal their divides now that they're nominally on the same side, uh, which is like, uh, you know, we're doing their tour of Winterfell and Tyrion has a great line. And the masses rejoice that mm. they are there, which I thought was really uh, yeah, as, nicely as delivered. people are spitting toward them. Yeah. I, I really totally. lo- I really love the little conversation they have about Cersei, though. And the line that Jamie says, she's always been good at using the truth to tell lies. Such a good line. <laughs> the writing in this was just like, boom, so good. Well, they had a year and a half for it, so it better yeah. be. Yeah. And, and, and then Jamie <laughs> saying that, that Cersei, uh, Cersei fooled me more than anyone, and then Tyrion said, no, you knew exactly who she was the entire mm-hmm. time. And you loved her anyway. Yeah. And I thought yep. that was so good and honest. It's the first of two super honest conversations that they have with each other, which is really the first time ever. Um, it, and the scene ends basically with the best line, uh, or it doesn't end, but it's like close to the end with Tyrion saying, so we're going to die at Winterfell, which I just <laughs> like, it's so deadpan and fantastic. I loved it. Um, and you know, one thing I thought every time, like someone rings the doorbell at Winterfell, I'm like, is it Bronn? Is it Bronn? Is it Bronn? Is it Bronn? Oh Yeah. Like, I really am worried about Bronn. I can't lie. Because uh, especially when Tyrion was like, at least Cersei won't get to murder me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Don't we also have an admission, or I guess admission is the wrong word, but don't don't we also have one of them wondering, is she really pregnant? Yes. Uh, Tyrion asks. Yeah. And Jamie says, yes, I, I think it's true. But all he has is Cersei's word for it, so it is a nice foreshadowing mm. of the fact that it still could be totally not true. Wait, I, I don't understand. He was so confident. She's like, no, she yeah. is. Yeah. How? Mm-hmm. How? How do you know this? Because I'm a brother fucker? I don't know. Like, it's so <laughs> I'm just going to say that, that Cersei was showing a lot less than Gilly was. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh-huh. So I don't know about all this. Although uh, a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine from college, did tweet a very interesting thing: is they're they're setting up a lot of potential pregnant people, so that basically the wheel of fighting for who gets the throne will begin again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in twenty five years, if they're all still there. Did you notice what was embedded in the walls of the ramparts on which they walked? Dragonglass. Wasn't that cool? It's they been, just stuck. Mm, yeah, it's yeah. Been glued everywhere. It's been glued everywhere, which I think is super cool. Um, So then they're looking down on the yard, and uh, it's a nice even flow from, you know, they're looking down on Brienne to then there's Jamie with Lady Brienne watching Pod teach someone else. So the student has become the master. Mm -hmm. And by the way, exactly when did Pod grow up? Because by the end of the last season, he's still Pod, and now he's Pod. Oh. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Kent, uh, take us through this scene. Tell us what you thought. Uh, well, I think I think Pod grew up when um, when Tyrion took him uh, to the brothel a couple of seasons <laughs> ago. Um, yeah, so, yeah, just like you said. So Pod was, was being the master, teaching uh, farmers, basically, how to fight with a sword. Mm-hmm. And Jamie comes in and, and remarks that, you know, he – 
he's doing well. And he's like, and Brian says, yeah, he's okay. He still has, and, he still has stuff to learn or whatever. Right. Well, and, and I mean, he's teaching but, farmers. So, yeah. you right, know, he's right. got to be better. But did you but, notice that Brian's, uh, the, the pod stance while, while training them was the same as Brian's stance while training pod? Mm-hmm. It was almost yeah. nonchalant. Like, oh, I, mm-hmm. this is nothing. She, yeah, but like, the, he really did follow in the in the in her footsteps. Yeah, and so uh, Brian and Jamie just kind of go back and forth with like normal like small talk, and then finally Brian can't have any more of it, and she says, "Okay, what's going on here? Uh, normally, you would have insulted me like a half a dozen times by now." And that was kind of Jamie like humbling himself, saying, "No, I don't want to. I I here to uh, follow you if you'll have me." And I think that was Brian's actual realization that that she did the right thing by speaking for him, uh, vouching for him, and in, in, uh, uh, you know to Daenerys and Sansa uh, that he's actually sincere. He wants to fight for for the living, like for real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. A- Go ahead, Richard. I was just going to say I was a little bit surprised by her take on that because. You would think that she would, I don't know, maybe expect a little bit of appreciation for what she did, but she immediately questions his motives. And his reaction was just heartwarming. You know, his his reaction where he he says he's there to fight for her if she'll have him mm-hmm. just blew me mm-hmm. away. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she questioned him because she just wanted to be sure, and his response made her more than sure. This yeah. is yeah. this is where that thirty day ride from King's Landing to Winterfell kicks in, and he's had a lot of time to eat all the humble pie in the world. Especially considering he couldn't ride north as Jamie Lannister, he had to ride north as guy on horse, schmuck with a beard. Yeah, and yeah. It, I, I really think in the evolution of Jamie, he's gone through a lot of ups and downs and stuff, but that 30 day ride going from King's Landing to Winterfell, I really think he's, he let a lot of, let a lot of things set in and he is genuinely a different person now. Now, could he go back under the thumb of Cersei? Sure. I, I don't, uh, that's not beyond expectation even uh, if he survives the battle coming. Mm-hmm. But for now, I really think he's genuinely a different person than he was just, a season ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. Richard, thoughts? Final thoughts? No, I'm good. I, right. I really like this scene. It is a really good scene. And I would argue that while I would argue that while you could say other people shown in this episode, this episode, even by its title alone, clearly belongs to Brienne of Tarth. But we'll get there. So then we move over to Daenerys's, I guess, quarters in Winterfell, where uh, Jorah comes in and she's sitting there being all P.O.'d. Um, and I, w- I just want to say that I think Jorah Mormont, like, he looks so right in the North, right? He His color is better. They dressed him in gray. He looks kingly. Like, it, it, I always thought that he just looked, like, physically out of place in Essos. And now you can really see the difference. He's, like, filled out. He's at peace. Like, it, you know, it's a confluence of events and location. But um, I, I know that I picked that up. Um, and mm. he does have... Some very good advice for Daenerys, um, and it's unexpected. He, he tells her she needs to unbitch herself. 
Yeah, stop being your dad, basically. I saw a great tweet. I saw a great tweet where somebody was like, they caught a picture of Daenerys's mad face and they were like, this is a scene where her daddy shines through. Because like, yeah, she's got a, she's got a Aegon or a, a, what's his face? The Mad King face. Ares. Yeah, Ares Targaryen. It's terrible. So... We see the first, well, the first piece of advice we get, it was like, chill out and let Tyrion make mistakes. He's clever. He's good. You need him. He'd be better than I am, which really is a stunning admission from Jorah. Well, w- w- when he says that, when he says, you know, we've all made mistakes or, you know, but he's made mistakes and he says, so have I. So have we all. And the subtle shift on her face in that next gap of time before any more dialogue happens you can tell that he's digging at her, and she can tell that he's digging at her, but he's doing it in the most kind way possible. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you've made mistakes too. You're not. You're not infallible. If you were infallible, you wouldn't need Tyrion in the first place. And mm-hmm. he reminds her that Tyrion learns from his mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he owns right? them. She sa- He says, "Yeah, yeah." Which, so, yeah. Go ahead. Ooh. No, I I just I, I thought this was an amazing scene and ultimately she says, Wait, are you recommending that I keep him on in the position that you once had? And he says, Yes, I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and one thing I will say here is look at all the good people who are around to curb the worst Targaryen instincts from Daenerys and think about how many of them are about to be out on the front lines fighting zombies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What will happen after they're gone? Yeah. And uh, we'll get to the, to the, the one that's going to be right next to her here in a little bit, but yeah, yeah it's, yeah. Can I just, come on, just let me revel in being surrounded by good people for a while. I know this, this episode was like a warm cup of, Winterfell cocoa. It was so great. Okay. So then Jorah has one more piece of advice, which leads into in what any other episode would probably be the thing everybody is talking about. And yet it's not. That's how good this episode was. So this is a scene where two women of power almost connect and then their separate sort of geopolitical needs drive them apart. Now, are they all fucking playing each other? Do they really mean it? Is it impossible to distinguish? I don't know. But I love this scene. I watched it three times. It was so good. Wow. It was three times. wonderful. Yep. It was underplayed. It was focusing on close-ups. Um, okay. Who wants it? Have at it. I, I, want, I want to start because I want to throw a selfless plug in there or a selfish yes. plug or whatever. Yes. Jenny and I, yeah, Jenny and I, and and uh, sometimes Richard too. We are all part of Infinite Gain, which is a production company that focuses as one of our company goals to amplify diversity in podcasting. So that that idea came to my mind during the scene because you have two very powerful, very strong women who've been through hell and back, each on their own, coming to a table putting aside at least one of their differences, meeting together and understanding each other, and then not bowing to each other. Like they, I wouldn't expect these women to bow to any man. 
Like yeah. they both come out and they, 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 the line is drawn. Well, this is where it divides is what happens to the North at the end of this war. If we survive it, this is what divides us. We're not backing down. They're interrupted before it can get heated, but it was such a great relationship to watch develop over the course of three minutes in this scene. And it was just amazing. And if you'd yeah. like to hear a bunch of women talking about things they're really smart on, go to infinitegain.co. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> that was excellent. <laughs> bonus, bonus points. Nicely um, done. Nicely done. But yes, it's true. This is a scene that, um, if not, was there is a writing credit to a man on this episode, but that guy has sisters or he got the room ladies to weigh in on this. I mean, a lot of, uh, a lot of, TV shows are like group written, even if there's one person's name on it. Right. Um, and this seemed so true to me, which was basically like first Daenerys shits on Tyrion and then has someone else defend him. And basically the woman who he was unlawful, you know, like she was unwillingly married to. She was like, he's a good man. Mm-hmm. And uh, Daenerys is still being bitchy and says he never should have trusted Cersei. And then Sansa, who really is developing a fantastic way of to telling the truth says well you never should have either right and uh, this was such a remarkable moment because this is what's going on in Daenerys's head right now right every time someone like vaguely criticizes her you can see a look on her face and it's like uh, uh, she has a glass face and inside her face is a l- one little voice saying murder her and the other little voice is saying no put on your nice face like that all happened in her face so anyone who ever says Amelia Clark is not a good actress can suck a dragon because <laughs> there's a lot going on in that who's saying that who, there are people that, that say that oh she's blank she's this she's that you can mm. stuff it because that was a really good trans- subtle transition uh, and then there's like there's some other part that's like not yet precious. We still have to lead them further, right? <laughs> <laughs> but like a lot of bag of cats are going on in that brain. Uh, and so then she shifts into Big Sister Daenerys thing, where she's like, you know, Sansa's basically like, I don't trust men. They were manipulated by you. And she's like, Well, now that you think about it, I am down here in the north. Aside from my original goal, so you tell me who manipulated whom. Mm. And then they have this remarkable scene where they get physically closer and they take each other's hands. And then, um, you know, there, there's that classic line where it said, "Who did you love before?" And and Daenerys says, "Someone taller." And we all <laughs> just died. So yep. great. Um, and then. Just ever so subtly, Sansa's like, look, I, I literally cannot let this moment pass. What about the North? And there go the hands. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> and the bell rings. And the and, bell rings. And actually, that's perfect, right? Yeah. Because we don't need to deal with that now. We don't yes. need to have that discussion now. So while it was a convenient device, I think it worked for the scene. The scene went as far as it needed to go. Right. They tried. They both tried. I thought that was really nice. Two type A's who've gotten that way through super hard consequences. I also feel like this was, you know, we've seen a number of scenes where Sansa has demonstrated that she can be a, a, you know, a, a decisive person and a badass if necessary in her, you know, as a, as a manager, if you will, as a ruler here, 
she really came across as wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was all at the uh, at the behest of um, Jorah's advice. You know, this yeah. this whole situation came out because Jorah, even though he's been shuffled back behind Tyrion in the in the scale of whose advice I'm going to listen to, Danny still cherishes his advice, and he's still pretty wise. He still no- understands how things are going to go. He knows her. He knows the North, so he knows what what Sansa needs. In order to bring you know bring the two to to the table, and it's played perfectly, and yeah, it's just it's really it's a really great scene. I loved this scene. Beautiful. So just a, a callback there. He's taller, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, dro- uh, it's a uh, Drogo. Yeah, it's just so great. Oh, Drogo. So, okay, someone for- taller. Yeah, she met yeah, Drogo. yeah. Okay, um, I could I couldn't figure out which like which of the men she's been with she was referring to. <laughs> it was Drogo. Yeah. Um. Okay. So quick scene with Theon where he comes back and he says, "I wanted to come back to Winterfell to fight for Lady Sansa," and everybody <laughs> cries. And then uh, there is also, a month, yeah. By yeah. the way, a serious moment of like what appeared to be almost like romantic interest between I not, her and, didn't notice and that. Sansa. Like, um, maybe Sansa's safest guy is a guy with no junk. After everything <laughs> she's been through, like, that is totally a legitimate um, choice for her to make. Like, if you think about the absolute safest human for someone who's been so horribly violated like that, that might yeah. be who I would choose. Um, I mean, in 100% seriousness, someone who opposes me no threat in the way that I've been threatened traumatically before. So anyway, yeah. I've saw, you see that twice, right? Yep. I, um, I saw this scene as, as another one of the redemption arcs. Yes. Uh, this was, this was Theon coming home and being forgiven and accepted. And when the, the look on Sansa's face, when her eyes just well up, like mine started to well up. I as know. Because well, I am a sucker for forgiveness. When someone with yep. their, from the bottom of their heart truly forgives someone and has that emotional release. I I'm waterworks. Like that's that gets me every time. So great. And I'm so great for Sansa. Mm. Um, and it leads us to my favorite scene, which was called, you know, moose soup for you. Like, the the soup scene is is has three little bits that I think are like the greatest bits. And the first one is like first of all, of course Davos is out there giving people soup. Of right? Course. Cheering them up, hanging with the locals. He is totally that guy. Because, and then Gilly because, because Davos is never wrong. Davos is never wrong. What do you do? You got to feed the people. So he's out there feeding the people and buck bucking them up and telling them what to do. Gilly's out there too. You can tell who who these people are by what they are doing in these moments. Um, and this also uh, <laughs> uh, is the appearance of this little fucking girl mm. who is clearly meant to be like a ghostly echo of Shireen Baratheon, right. Mm-hmm. Right. which is makes Davos sad. But at the same time, she's clearly either a northerner or a wildling. And she has, I think, one of the greatest little girl accents I've ever heard. And she was like, both me brothers were soldiers. I want to fight too. And I was just like, oh, oh. <laughs> and it, it features the second appearance of the phrase, 
when the time comes, you'll be down in the crypts with me. They're the safest place to be. <sighs> and, and then she says, all right, I'll defend the crypt then. And in the moment, when you're not thinking about it, you think, oh, yeah, that's cute. And then you think, oh, my God. <laughs> and and don't, don't forget that the little Shireen also had a dramatic effect on Gilly. Yes. Because she's the one that taught her originally how to read. No. So yeah, both she, Davos. She taught Gilly. She taught Gilly and Davos how to read. Yeah, how is that possible? At how could Shireen? Yeah, when when really? Stannis went through. Yeah, one little scene where they got interrupted by Stannis when he went to go talk to his <gasps> daughter. Shireen was teaching Gilly how to read, and Shireen no. also told, taught Davos how to read. And those two mm-hmm. are the same two people that happen to be helping this little girl with the burn marks on the other side of her face. That That's interesting. I missed that. So, I totally caught the Davos connection there. I, I immediately saw that. I don't. I, I don't know that they demonstrated Gilly reacting to her that same way. Just that Gilly just suddenly went into like mom pep mode. talk mom mode. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's it's one of those little Easter eggs that would be thrown away if you weren't really paying attention. But if you noticed it, you noticed it, and it was yeah. And I think that's why Gilly was part of that scene Mm -hmm. uh, because Shireen did have an effect on Gilly, but not nearly the effect that that Shireen had on on Davos. Davos loved that little girl like Mm -hmm. absolutely like his own. Okay, so this little girl breaks our hearts, and she's clearly going to break our hearts again. (laughs) Um, and. So then the, another horn blows, and you've got the Night's Watch show. And every time a horn ro- blows, I'm like, Braun? But I, and then I <laughs> realized, like, My no. dog looked up every time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so, no, it's the remainder. It's the the last of the Night's Watch and the last of the... the East the, Watch. Not the last of the Wildings, but the the East Watch survivors. Mm-hmm. And um, it's and... great. And Tormund, who knocks John over as he's going to hug Ed, um, which was really great. And you get to see Beric Dondarrion, or as I call him, future podcast host Beric Dondarrion, because he has the best voice ever. And the first thing, what 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 does Tormund want to know? Is, is the, the big woman here? Is the big woman still here? Which is just great. And, and he has another line, although it's not a verbal one, because he says, is the big woman here? And then his face changes, like, because he think no one said no. And his face just <laughs> lights up again. Like, it's almost this, this nonverbal line just on his face. It's amazing. Excellent. <laughs> yep. He also has another good line where he says, look, whoever's not here now is... No, this was Beric. Mm-hmm. He says, whoever's not here now is with them. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a, such a powerful line. Like, this is it. This is everyone who's still here. Yep. Mm-hmm. The line is drawn. Mm-hmm. And then you get something that's pretty rare in Game of Thrones. Did you catch it? A little bit of a voiceover transition. A little bit of Meredith Grey in Winterfell talking over scenes. Like, that does not always with, happen. With John, yeah, John in the war room is there previewing mm-hmm. some of the defenses and the, the, the bridge over the, the spike pit. and Right. Yeah. But usually they do hard cuts. In this one, they really are setting you the physical location for all the things you're about to see. I like how you just called up Grey's Anatomy out of nowhere. Dude, it's the best VO. <laughs> it's the best and only VO uh, 
that has ever worked. Everybody, it, like a lot of people in the business really over rely on VO. And so it gets a bad rap. It's very well used here. Um, and so then Voice you get the scene. For those it, who don't know what VO yes, is. Sorry. Voiceover. Uh, it just means talking over the footage with someone who's not in the frame. Um, so then you get this scene in the strategy room and I just think we should take a moment to acknowledge, like, look at the people, like, look at the people around this table of this map, like what an assemblage. It took them eight seasons to get there. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is we had kind of a predecessor to this in season seven. We had a, a, a scene in season seven where a similar thing was happening and we had folks like Yara and uh, Lady Tyrell and, and all these other, at the time, kind of powerhouses or representations of power of the houses at the table. And now now it's all different, but it's even more impressive. Yeah. So then there's this whole bit with uh, Bran where basically Bran is like, um, the Night King wants me. He wants to erase the world and I am its memory. And then everybody just sort of accepts the premise because they've all had to make their Bran face at one point or another because he does his weird, <laughs> like, I know everything flex. And uh, then Sam's like, that's what death is, isn't it? It's forgetting, being forgotten. Cut to Daenerys who looks guilty, guilty, guilty. Mm. Um, so then someone, shocker, says, and wait for it, we'll put you in the crypt where it's safest. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a hammer, I'd hit you in the head with this line. I'd hit you in the head eight times in the episode. Okay, so uh, Daenerys, sorry, I. it is true. So then Daenerys forgives Tyrion publicly, he gets unflogged, um, and but, but she uh, does it in the most derogatory way. She does it in saying, "No, you're going to go here because I need you to stay safe." Not, "Oh, yes, that's a good idea, Tyrion." It was, "You're going to go where it's safe," aka in the crypts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean that is her way, right? She's not going to necessarily admit it. She's just going to do something that is going to be perceived as. Oh, that was a nice move. Okay. Yeah. While I'm flying thousands of feet over the battlefield yeah. on the back of my dragon with no seat belt, no helmet, and no safety gear, you're going to be in the crypts <laughs> where it's safe. Like yeah. <laughs> I think doesn't he talk? He does talk his way out of it, and he's going to be on the battlements. But um, so then, um, of course, Tormund has the best line: "We're all going to die." But at least we die together, which is a much more wildling version of live together, die alone from Lost. Of course, he's looking at um, Brienne when he says it. <laughs> oh, my God. He's like, please just do this already. Um, and then so they all disperse. And then Tyrion stays behind because he really wants to. Of, of course, for a guy who loves books, he is dying to meet the human book. Mm -hmm. Right. So Bran is just announced like, I am the book. And uh, they, you don't know what they say, but I'll bet they say some interesting things about lineage. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. This was Tyrion getting on the internet for the first time. That's totally true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That is great. It is 100% yeah. true. They might as well have that little <laughs> sound going <Yeah>. off. <laughs> yeah. You it got was, mail. Please. 
Like, You've got brand. Imagine Tyrion, all his... That's the title. You've got ravens. Yep. Imagine, but imagine Tyrion all his life scrambling to get his hands on any books he possibly can. All the books. And then literally, here is the human book. And he can ask him anything he wants and get an answer. Like, that's like crack. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Okay, which so which also go, leads yeah. into why he's so desperate to drink the next scene he's in. Oh, my God. Oh, my yeah. gosh, right? Because he probably oh, just found of, out who his mother was. Speaking uh, of books, Sam mentioned at least once, I think twice during this episode, like, oh, yeah, did I mention that I stole a bunch of books from the Citadel? Right. Books right. that will incredibly be important, even though I keep, because I keep mentioning them, something is in those books. <laughs> right. Yeah, now, so, are, yeah. Are, are they getting uh, less sly with the foreshadowing as we're getting yeah, closer, no or are time. they getting better at at leading us down one path only to destroy our hopes and dreams in I the next? I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, we're probably wrong about all the foreshadowing. Because <laughs> <laughs> at this point, it's not like you don't fundamentally know the roots of what's going to happen in this season, right? Like, the, the next episode is called The Battle of Winterfell. Which implies it's not the only fucking battle you're going to see. So that's well, my... of course, because it's only episode three. Come right, on. Right. So then you get... Um, so like everybody, you, you already get a sense that these plans are problematic. Um, well, so if you, then did you, you look get, at the table, at the table at the map, you see nothing but white tokens on one side. Mm-hmm, and these little mm-hmm. groups of... The, you know the Stark and and uh, Daenerys tokens on the on the opposing side, and just by numbers, it's like uh, uh-oh. That's so not good. basically, the by the, the sh- way, just yeah. in, in in case anybody's listening who is listening to catch up, we should probably let people know what the plan was. Put Bran in the courtyard, is, surround well, him by is, the Ironborn, lure the Night King in, try right. to kill him. And because and- John realized that his sword, if it killed a leader, also killed everybody that was under that leader. So mm-hmm. let's bring the big honcho in and we'll just kill him. No yeah. problem, right? Except the big yeah. honcho is going to be riding a dragon. So best of luck. And, and oddly enough, the big, big honcho hasn't been seen even in the previews in two episodes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. where could he be? <laughs> Uh, there are theories, but Richard's here, so we'll keep those to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Thank okay. you. So we now go back out to the courtyard where Grey Worm and Missandei are among the dubious whites. And it mm. really sucks because Missandei could not be nicer and these little north racist rats <laughs> are looking at her yes. like, let's go away, let's go away. And I hate it. Mm. Yeah. But... This is the best, I will say, I think it's the best Grey Worm and Missandei scene yet, which probably means they're both going to die. Mm. Because if you wanted to take oh. away all the people who Daenerys cares about and who restrain her from her craziness, I'd start here. Yeah. Um, mm. And I just thought it was really nice, you know? Like, they want they want to make plans after. They want to go to Noth. Um <laughs> I, I did notice in this scene, this is the first time they've overtly recognized the lack of black people in the show. This season, yeah. These first two episodes is really the first time. It's um, it's sort of like uh, the last possible second they could do it, but they are doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, props. Well, but in this episode, it was far more obvious than in the last. In the last one, 
it was it was just kind of you could get, like, you could deduce what what the feeling was here it was overtly state, stated yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. it was it was overtly they were they were you know discrimination is the wrong word but the the reaction that they received was negative and and it it's funny because we watched this and I, I I'm I'm so excited. I'm actually watching these all of these episodes this season. Edward's watching with me, and as we're sitting there, he, he was like joking because it was just so absurd. He's like, "Oh my god, black people!" I'm like, "Right, no, that's exactly the problem. That's that's yeah. what they're dealing with here." Well, and I think like it it plays as racism to us, the viewer. But I think like in story, it was it's more xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Than than racism really mm-hmm. yeah and and well uh, that's a good point and this isn't the first time this trope has happened either since we're on the subject in the Dragonlance novels the only black person in the entire like original trilogy is Theros Ironfeld and the only reason you know about him is because he's got dark skin and no arm so mm-hmm. and he eventually <laughs> forges the dragon lances so a spoiler alert if you haven't read the books from 1986 but. You know, he's the only. So, in fantasy in general, this has been a problem, and this is the first time I've really recognized it to be honestly addressed mm-hmm. and overtly so. And I mean, yeah, like you said, it's it's pretty late, but at least it's there. Yeah, and it's kind of a throwaway scene, though. Like, it's not really addressed. It's just like a head nod and acknowledged. Let's move on. I think yeah. acknowledged would be the more neutral word. Yeah. Right. I would yep. also say uh, that. Uh, no, I forgot. Never mind. We have a lot to go. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> um, moving on. Uh, moving on. Let's just say good for them. They addressed it a little. So then we go up to the wall where another reunion is happening, where there's a nice two for scene where, where Sam is like, so did you tell her yet? And John was like, no. Oh, you're waiting. Urgh. And then Ed shows up, uh, the last of the Night's Watch shows up, and they just have this great scene of, like, remember college? College was fun. (laughs) And they razz each other a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then, again, (laughs) here we go. And Sam has a little bit of a meltdown. They're like, Sam, do you want to be down in the crypt where it's safe? (laughs) Again, you'll be safe in the crypt. And then Sam goes on a little bit of a tear. I was like, everyone forgets that I was the first to kill a white walker. And I did all this. And I did all that. It's really great. I kind of like that. I loved it. No, I loved Mm -hmm. it. Good for Sam. And And, and, he's like, I also have had sex. Yeah, Ed was like, then we're fucked. And he goes, well, I wouldn't wouldn't say that you've necessarily been fucked. And then even John smirks. (laughs) And then Ed comes back with, oh, so Sam, the White Walker Slayer and the Layer of Women, if there wasn't yep. any more clear sign that this is the end of the world. <laughs> yes. So great. And there's so also great. a nod there that they're not the last of the Night's Watch to live, but they're the last of his class. Mm-hmm. They all came to the Night's Watch at the same time. And they're yeah. the last three of that class to survive. So then, of course, <clears throat> the... Uh, uh, Ed leaves them with the final line that says, last men left, burn the rest of us, to which I would say, also maybe burn the crypts while you're at it. Burn the people in the crypts. Shouldn't you burn the people in the crypts? But it's so, the safest place. <laughs> and did you notice that this is the return of Ghost? We haven't seen Ghost in like yeah. a season and a half. Oh, Ghost yeah, is basically like, an image. He's a yeah, still that image. Was, that was a still image, I swear it was. Yeah. But he's back. At least we know where he's at. He's at, yeah. he's at Winterfell. Last time, last time we saw him, he was growling at John being resurrected. Like, yeah. <laughs> are we uh, mm-hmm. are we putting any bets on Nymeria here? 
Oh, oh totally. She's at some point going to bring her pack of hundreds of wolves. Don't you think? Probably, probably at the call of Ghost. He's probably going to call for help, and Nymeria is going to come out of the woods with. Or Arya is going to be in mortal peril, and mm. I'll probably yeah, you guys yeah, probably are spoiling. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's about animals. That didn't even occur to me. <laughs> Okay, so... It's so much more fun when you're blissfully ignorant. No, no, no. It's so much more fun to be like, I was right! Um, Yes. So, okay, so then you get the start of, and it is broken up into several parts. You get the start of, I think, one of the greatest extended scenes in Game of Thrones history. I think it's fair to say that this is, uh, this whole episode is a play, um, about the castle, you know, but this this room in particular, the way they bring people in and bring people out and do it is just so great. So we start with Tyrion and Jamie, two sons about to die defending Winterfell, definitely against the explicit orders of their dead dad, which is amazing. And then a, a pretty amazing thing happens here, which is Jamie says out loud for the first time, oh, yeah. I've been fucking my sister, which mm-hmm. I mean, to me is like, yeah, you really are about to die. Tyrion's like, eh, hmm. no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, woo, okay. He, he said, he said uh, uh, back then it was simpler back then. Well, not not really. I was fucking my sister, and you only had one friend in the world who was fucking his sister. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay. I still can't get over that they're all like joking about it, but I guess that's just me. I'm an only child. Um, so then, uh, they have sort of like a catch up on where everybody is. And, you know, he's like, uh, Tyrion's like, I can't even enjoy horrors anymore. Cause he says the perils of self betterment, which I think mm. is just great. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you get the next two to enter Brienne and pod. And I'm starting to think like, this is the moment where I'm starting to think, Oh my God, I'm getting my scene. I'm going to get my scene. I'm going to get my scene, which is, uh, Kent to back you up. The scene I wanted more than anything was I thought it would be after the battle. Uh, it would be like Davos, um, Tormund. Uh, Tormund, and Bronn, my Bron. three favorite like down-to-earth characters sitting around having a beer. But, mm-hmm. you know, Bronn is nowhere to be seen, which makes me nervous. <laughs> but you do get the drinking a beer scene. And when, when, uh, when Tormund walked in, I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting it. I started screaming. I'm so excited. <laughs> and then... Please, someone do share the best story, the greatest story ever told by Tormund Giants Bane. Oh, my God. Do you want to know how I got my name? <laughs> so, I know how I got these scars. Yeah. So he basically says that he killed a giant when he was 10 years old and then crawled into bed with that giant's wife. The giantess wakes up and takes him to her teat where there he nursed for the next three months because she thought he was her baby. Oh my God. That's how I got so big and strong. Lord above. And he's looking at Bran the entire time. Yes. And then he, he proceeds to drink an entire, like what, what is that? Like a, like a, uh, a, horn. Yeah, yeah. a horn full of like an oxen horn milk, full of milky white beer probably fermented yeah. fermented milk, milk of some kind probably not yeah. a giant because i don't think there's any giant ladies left no. <laughs> um 
And so everybody's looking at him like, what? And of course, Davos has what is known in comedy as the blow, which is Davos looking at him. Everybody's horrified. And Davos says, maybe I will have that drink. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome, actually. Up on the battlements, there is another drinking thing going on. The hound is sitting there drinking all by his lonely, lonesome. Uh, And Arya comes out. And... uh, you know, they have this moment where she keeps trying to razz him, like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? What's going on? She's like, he's like, she was like, you only fight for yourself, right? And he's like, I fought for you, didn't I? And it was mm-hmm. like a nice moment. I thought it was a really nice moment. Yep. I I like that. And um, Arya was into the conversation, I think, until, um, uh, what's his name? Comes up the oh, one eyed Beric, Beric Dondarian. Yes. And uh, the hound has the best line, which is basically like, might as well be at a bloody wedding, which is another one <laughs> funny way of saying I might as well be at the red wedding. But right. um, that's another little bit. But yeah, he's like, I don't want this to be a social event. And then they talk, the be- I think this could be like the contender for the best line ever because Beric starts spouting off about the Lord of Light and blar, diddy blar, diddy blar, diddy blar. To which uh, uh, the hound just sort of looks up and said, the Lord of Light is going to wonder why he brought you back 19 times just to watch me chuck you over this wall. (laughs) (laughs) Like, thank you. Thank you, Lord of Light, for that line. Yeah, but Arya wasn't having any more of that conversation. Yeah. She had other business to attend to. Uh, oh, right. What yeah. was she doing? Oh, yeah. She wanted to see her buddy Gendry. Well, she, she wanted went, to check on her weapon. Yeah, she That's just right. went. No, she actually went down to uh, practice some archery. Some. She very, wanted to get her rod. Yeah, yeah. She <laughs> <laughs> she needed needed to get the tips in the right spot with the. Uh, That's the right. Bow and arrows. That's right. <laughs> So Arya goes down. Gendry's just, I guess, hanging out down there. Uh, and uh, they have this. First of all, she leaves with a great line, which is, I'm not spending my final hours with you two miserable shits, which I was great. <laughs> and I love that Arya had no interest in Gendry until she found out that he was at least a royal bastard, which I was like. Like, that was her most obvious, like, tell where she, like, her, she stopped twirling her stick and was like, hey ho. Um, so that was actually really cool, right? Yeah. Like, there's this moment where I always thought that they, that she kind of thought of him as her bud. Yeah. And he, it, I, if I remember correctly, I think it was literally years ago that he said something along the lines of, well, no, you'd always be my lady. Wasn't that him? Yeah. Mm. And she said, no, I'm your friend. And he now reveals that, oh, actually, I am of real blood. Yeah. Sort of. So then he becomes her, in very short order, friends with royal benefits. <laughs> it, it, I, I couldn't help but notice that Gendry is a bastard with dark hair, similar to I don't know the bro- the the half brother that she always cherished so much. We always we always go after the people who look the most like the people we grew up with. I hate to say it, but that's true. 
Jen, Jen, well, Jenny, you're killing me with this off mic. Like, I, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so you sorry. mentioned it, but I, I'm like, I'm sitting thinking, man, I'm going to have to edit the crap out of this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I figured she was mic. just ignoring sorry, me I'm and pissed over. at me. I'm falling over with exhaustion. Um, the bottom line is you always like end up with some version of your brother or your father, or in Jamie Lannister's case, your actual sister. Twin sister. Twin sister. So fine. Anyway, so... Uh, then we have this, um, moment, which caused the internet to spike. Did you hear about this? <laughs> yes. With a particular Google search. A particular Google search. What was How it, Ken? old is Maisie Williams? Yeah. Because we've all grown up watching little Maisie, and as hard as it was for us to see what happened to Sansa Stark, it was even weirder to see Maisie Williams take her top off. Uh, mm. Even though it was handled, I thought, very well and very consensually, obviously. And Isn't she like early 20s or something like that? 22. Yeah, she's 22, which, you know. Yeah. That not, is that, perfectly... not that I knew that before the internet blew up about it. Um, yeah. Right. Because as, as Kent knows, I've kind of had like this, man, I can't, like, uh, she needs to get, get of age soon so I can acknowledge the fact that I've got a total crush on her. <laughs> um, <laughs> now so, it's fair game, man. It's fair game. Yeah, it's, she's legal now, I can say it. But she, uh, I just, I've always thought she was just simply beautiful. And then this scene with her owning her own station in life and... Um, and then you get a little side boob in, in on that as well. It's like, oh my gosh, this is like the Arya scene I've always wanted, but couldn't say I wanted. So I'll, I'll no, be the, I'll be the one on the internet that says this was amazing, and I'm I'm happy to see it. I thought it was I, on the other too. hand, am just noticing how difficult it was to get off all of those layers. <laughs> oh yeah, that was like five minutes of the episode right there. <laughs> And, which, and they acknowledge it in her. I think one of her best lines: "I'm not the I'm not the red woman. Take your own bloody pants off." Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, and so what I wrote in my notes for this part was: first thought, yes, finally. Second thought, oh god, don't show it. Yeah, <laughs> and they didn't. Well, and they didn't. They didn't. Well, right? sure. Which I mean, is, they, you know, Maisie Williams undressing was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to no. see this. <laughs> Um, and then you see oh, the scars and, and the scars really like I still have this like scary freaked out theory that she's actually the waif wearing Aria face. But I think <gasps> Bran would. I know it's really terrifying, <laughs> but I think Bran would know. I think so. Oh, but my yeah. Gosh. Isn't that a terrible moment when it, you realize? I, so I saw your notes about that when you were chatting last night and I'm like, no, that just can't be. I, I, right? I refuse to believe that. One hope. I refuse to believe it. Um, so then, but yeah. she was she was rather homicidal, aloof afterward as he just slept. Yeah, right. She's just staring with just kind of a, oh, did, a soulless stare. Did you see the meme where it says a girl was not satisfied? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she should have gone with Podrick. I know. <laughs> Um, no, Gendry is far cuter. So, well, Podrick, Podrick has other benefits. Um, so then we go back to The Fire, part two, the play mm. to end all plays. And I love I this. loved this. This scene was not only my favorite of the entire episode, but it's one of my favorite scenes in the entire series. Yeah. Uh, so the conversation goes to... You know what? Why? Why is it that that women can't be knights? Mm. And 
Tradition. Well, yeah, tra- tradition, I guess. Like, there's not really a reason. To and which Tormund says, fuck tradition. If I was, if I'm I was not a king, king. Yeah, if I was a king, yeah. I would knight you ten times over. Which yeah. is not this subtle. Is when, when half-inebriated Jamie stands up and says, you don't need a king, you only need a knight. And then he quotes an oft-repeated line from the Duncan Egg novellas. I don't know if anyone oh. has read those. But he says, any knight can make a knight. And that is said over and over again in That's the Duncan so Egg great. novellas. And nice. he tells Brienne, like, get your ass over here. That's and right. she's very hesitant because she doesn't know if this is some sort of a jape or whatever. She was just very reluctant to accept that it was happening. And finally goes over there and she is overcome with emotion. Mm. Yep. Yep. And Jamie was the most gallant looking like the most knightly you have ever seen him and proud to knight Brienne. So great. And she's like she's crying but smiling. I think is this the first time we see Brienne smile? Big ever? goofy ass smile on her face. It it's was so definitely awesome. the biggest, yeah. And yeah. so you'll understand this. This is akin to, uh, I took this akin to in <clears throat> the Air Force when you get promoted and the commander comes down and he's just handing stripes out and you don't expect your name because it's not in any particular order. Or you think, right. okay, that's it. And then he looks at you and or she and looks at you and goes, oh, and you. And then it's just yeah. like, I got Me? promoted. This is the reveal that I just got selected for promotion. That's how this felt. That That's the emotion that it brought up was... You know, it's it's doubtful. Like you're no way you're joking. This is this can't be real. And then as it settles in, you just you're like, oh my gosh, this is real. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and of then- course, I love watching everybody scurry around to get a better view of it. Especially Tyrion, who's like, mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. history. He's gonna watch history unfold. Mm-hmm. Yep. And his, the line that Jamie says at the end, he says, "Arise, Brienne of Tarth, a knight of the Seven Kingdoms." And I love that because that is also from the Dunk and Egg oh, novellas. Cool. Yep. Uh, Look at Kim pulling the Tom Merritt here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was prepared. Fantastic. Um, so then she's so happy. And then um, you get this little scene outside. Uh, wait, someone else at some point says you'll be safer in the crypt. And I forget who says it. <laughs> But they say it again. I just wrote it down. At this point, you stopped counting. I stopped counting. But yeah. so then we have a scene between Jorah and Sam, who obviously have a connection because just say, uh, Sam saved Jorah's life, and then Sam gives Jorah his, you know, like uh, he has this Valyrian uh, steel sword that he stole from his father. Heart's bane. Heart's bane. Which, mm. P.S. Otherwise, would have probably been nuclearized by dragon fire. Um. And uh, he gives it to Jorah and he says, I, I really, I can't even lift it. So he gives it to Jorah. Oh, I don't want to leave out a great scene that preceded that scene, mm-hmm. which is um, Jorah being smacked around by a 10 year old. Yes. <laughs> Lady Mormont. Oh. So that, great. Yeah. She's like, yeah. I'll do what I want. <laughs> and and so they, they finally outwardly uh, acknowledge the family ties. She yeah. looks back at him. And she says, I wish you well in the coming fight, cousin. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like, okay, well, they're not just there by name. They're actually like no kidding related. So, 
Yeah. yeah. To, to go back to the sword, I love, love, love that he gave Jorah that sword because if you remember Jorah's father, Jior Mormont, the former Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, also had a Valyrian sword, which he gave to Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And which by rights should have been Jorah's. And Jorah so, returned oh. it when Jon tried to give it to him. Mm-hmm. And Jorah yeah. said, no, mm-hmm. he, he felt you worthy, so you should take it. Right. And now he's getting something in return, the redemption that we've talked about a few times. He did the right thing then, and it's coming back to circle now. Yep, 100%. Yeah, really a beautiful scene. And of course, what Jorah says about his father is, I'll wield it in his memory to guard the realms of men, which is actually a Night's Watch. Guarding Mm -hmm. the realms of men is a Night's Watch thing. You know who would make a great Lord Commander of the Night's Watch in the Hmm, future? uh, Maybe Jorah? Yeah, he'd be great. (laughs) That'd be a great, like his dad. Um, So anyway, then we're back to the fire to which we get and wait for it. A song with my name in it. <laughs> in the title, even. This is Jenny's song. In the song. title. Oh, my yep. God. It's my song. It was like the greatest moment. I was like, it's another song about Jenny. Um, and it was really nice because it was that last moment where the fire's dying down. You know you have to go. And mm, and um, they start singing this song. Uh, and nobody will sing except then we find out that uh, Pod has a good voice in mm-hmm. addition to... Uh, other things that he possesses, he has a beautiful voice. Well, one of, it, one of the theories is that Pod's voice is actually what he did for the ladies to uh, convince them. It wasn't a matter of being hung or well-skilled. It was a matter that he can sing. And, well, people like singers. Am I forgetting or missing some tidbit we learned earlier? Yeah. Tyrion paid for Pod to have his first woman at... At King's Landing, and he came back right. and gave the money back to him. And Braun and Tyrion were like, oh, "Tell us what you did. Mm-hmm. Why did? Why did you know? Why did they give it to you for free?" And then it cut hmm. scene out of there, and everybody's assumption was, "Well, he's just hung like a horse." Well, mm-hmm. now the the assumption has somewhat changed to where maybe he just sang for them, and they appreciated it so much they were willing to do the things that they did without pay. Fascinating. Mm. Kent's not um, buying it, but Kent's not a chick. Not buying so. it. Yeah. So then, again, we get these brief shots. uh, Another montage is a voiceover with singing, um, where uh, everybody's preparing. They're preparing. You're hearing this dismal song. Jorah's on a horse. Grey Worm kisses Missandei. Like all these final goodbyes, and then it brings you down to the safest place in all of Winterfell, (laughs) the crypts. Where John seems to be spending 95% of his time staring at what he now knows to be his mutta. And he's not alone because uh, Daenerys shows up and is like, why have you been avoiding me? Because he has. Mm -hmm. And it's very elegantly done. But she says, like, who is this lady? And he explains it's Lyanna. And she says, you know, it's so funny. Rhaegar was supposed to be so nice. He was kind. He gave money to poor children. And then I'm supposed to believe that he raped this woman. And then John's like, well, let me tell you the true story. <laughs> and just the, as he unfolds it, the look on Daenerys' face, like, mm-hmm. like, 
all the emotions. And like the least of them, by the way, is we just slept with each other and we're related. Nobody seems right. to care about that. Well, that, right. that was my note. It was uh, Danny's concern is the claim on the Iron Throne. John's concern yep. is that he loves his aunt. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. come on, guys. And, and can uh, we just say this, that, that Danny's been edging on madness this entire episode? Kind of. From the, from the first scene to the last, she's just ready to start tearing heads off and never gets that satisfaction. Yeah. I mean, it's like she's in, she's a guest in a castle she wants to rule. And I think it brings out, like, in some people, insecurities brings out quietness. And in her, it brings out um, bad daddy Targaryen. So... Then the horn blows right as she's like processing this revelation. Saved by the bell again. Again. And then you get a very interesting shot, which theorists, I won't go into it, but theorists probably had a field day with because it was Danny, Tyrion, and John standing together like a little family. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Here they come. You see a quick shot of the walkers, not the leader. Not the Night King, but you see the main lieutenants. And uh, I really do think that uh, we are in for one hell of an episode in the Battle of Winterfell. Yeah, I think it's 88 minutes long and 80 of that is supposed to be battle scene. Wow. This is is the last regular length episode we have because the the next Mm -hmm. four are are right at 90 minutes each. Mm -hmm. And I'm, oh my gosh, I'm excited. Yep. This is going to be a lot. This is going to be a lot. I can tell you're excited. (laughs) No, I'm exhausted. (laughs) Just thinking about it. Oh, my God. It's going to be. What's the chances that next episode we're going to see zombie Hodor? Yeah. Yeah, that was another meme was zombie Hodor or I'm leaving or something like that. And I'm just like, I can't. Oh, I don't want that to happen. Right. Me neither. Yeah, I mean the the, the same chances of seeing zombie Ned Stark, I guess. You know, like I, guess. I, just, I don't want to see either one of those. Like I don't care to acknowledge that that's a possibility. Well, it it's technically a it's a possibility because it's a dead person that they could then take on. But oh wow, okay, yeah, <laughs> thanks. No, no, I just, ruined, I just ruined Richard's night. I'm really glad I don't follow Game of Thrones. Talkers on Twitter. <laughs> that would piss me off. Huh. <sighs> yeah. Um, so overall, I thought this was a great episode. I think we closed some storylines down appropriately. I think, you know, there were no deaths in this episode that we know of. Um, unless something was hidden in some Easter egg-ish kind of thing somewhere. But overall, I thought this was a great episode that really capped off a ton of of these smaller stories and we're really getting close to the end and it feels that way. And they did it in a satisfactory manner. They didn't just rush through any of it. It all feels very well placed, very well paced and just, it was fun, exciting. There's, there's more laughs in this episode than I've ever remembered in an episode. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, I loved this episode. Uh, exactly what you were saying, Amos. It tied up a lot of these loose ends. Um, but, you know, no action, really, but but like the emotional storylines that were going on. Um, this was the the deep breath before before everything hits the fan. 
I think this is the last chance we get to just take a quiet moment with these wonderful characters. Yeah. And also like, um, God, it was just so well done. It's so hard to write something like this. It is so hard. And they, they just did a fantastic job with it. And trebuchets. Uh, Let's not forget trebuchets. Uh, trebuchets are always good. Dragging, always dragging good. glass trebuchets. I can't wait to see that happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I will say, like, the one reason that I had a mediocre initial reaction to this when we started talking was that this felt like another bridge episode. Like, it was getting us from... What we had to get, what we had to have, which is everybody coming to Winterfell, to the point where we're battling. And so we had this long bridge to get there, and it gave us all this time to wrap all this stuff up, and it was really good, and I liked a lot of what was there. In fact, if anything, one of the things that really struck me about this episode is that this may have been the first episode that we have where it's with the exception of the final cliffhanger, it's all goodness. Like, it, it's not good versus evil. It's all good mm-hmm. in this episode. Whereas usually you're going back and forth between scheming and surviving and plotting and murdering and, you know, helping people. And it's just, it's this back and forth frenetic um, you know, tennis ball match. And this was just everybody's good. And it almost seemed like it was missing something. But at the same point, I felt like it was satisfying in that way. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I loved it. I think this is one of the best episodes of Thrones, the most earned episode. And now fucking everybody's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're probably going to have the most named character deaths next episode, like by far. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably going to be shocking how many deaths we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, real quick before we close out, I want to mention, because I don't want to go in too much into it because some of these emails are really long, but we have received so many emails lately. And I, th- I think we'll do a uh, a post-show uh, wrap-up like um, after the the last recording. We'll do another one just for all the... Because there's too many theories in here, and, and Richard would just blow up. He would just <laughs> explode in his chair. But I wanted to give a, give a special thanks to Josh Riker, Devin, Laundry Scent, and Justice Factus for sending emails in this week. Thank you. And you, you can send, we, you're out there. Yeah, you can send your emails to Let's Talk About Thrones at gmail dot com, and we will get to all of them. I promise. Mm. All right. Well. You guys, uh, quick round of where can we find you? Richard. Richard Gunther on Twitter. Anthony. Ethan Kane on Twitter. Kent. RM underscore Del Noche on Twitter. Underscore. Wait, 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 wait. Kent, <laughs> Kent, what's the RM stand for? That sounds like some crap uh, you just Del made Noche up. Del Noche was taken when I, when I made my name like four years ago or something. RM stands for Ritual Misery, which you can also go to ritualmisery.com to find out all the cool things that I'm involved in. Very cool. And I'm Jenny J. J-E-N-N-I-E-J-23 on, on Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and that's it. That's going to do it for this episode of Let's Talk About Thrones. You guys, there could not possibly be more exciting things uh, coming that we know. Literally the best TV on TV right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a decided uh, decided non-argument from Richard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another time. And we will talk to you next time we gather to talk about thrills. No, no, no. We're starting over. Yep. All right. I'm starting a new record. Here we go. Three, two, stop laughing. Everybody get it out. Get it out. Get it out. <laughs>